Welcome to episode 84 of Special Situation Investing. Two weeks ago, we wrote a piece titled A Tale of Two Pipelines. In it, we argued Canadian oil producers are poised to benefit from an expansion of the only oil pipeline to reach the west coast of North America, the Trans Mountain Pipeline. The expansion project is set to be operational in Q1 of 2024 and will benefit oil producers in three ways. Number one, Increased export capacity could increase the price of Canadian heavy crude by reducing the Western Canadian Select, WCS, discount to other oil benchmarks. Number two, more pipeline infrastructure will allow Canadian producers to sell more oil because current pipelines are operated at or near full capacity. And number three, greater competition among pipelines is already decreasing toll costs to producers. We recommend you read or reread A Tale of Two Pipelines to get the full details behind these points and better understand the background of today's piece. While arguing the increased capacity of the Trans Mountain Pipeline will be a tailwind for Canadian oil producers, we threw a curveball at the end of our last piece and hinted our preferred way to play the evolving situation isn't an oil producer at all, but instead an oil and gas royalty company. That company is Prairie Sky Royalty Limited. Prairie Sky traces its origin to 1881, when in exchange for building a railroad east to west across the country, the Canadian Pacific Railway Company, CPR, was granted 25 million acres of land by the Canadian government. CPR was allowed to select land from the odd-numbered one-mile squares of a checkerboard pattern out 24 miles on either side of its railroad. These grants included the ownership of the water, oil, and gas mineral rights. When CPR began drilling for water in 1883, it discovered natural gas, and it quickly focused on drilling for both natural gas and oil. In 1958, CPR created a separate company, Canadian Pacific Oil and Gas Limited, to hold its mineral rights. In the following years, these mineral rights were sold off, acquired, and merged in and out of multiple entities. For example, in 1971, Canadian Pacific Oil and Gas merged with Central Del Rio Oils, to form Pan-Canadian Petroleum Limited, which later became Pan-Canadian Energy Corp. Then, in 2002, Pan-Canadian Energy merged with Alberta Energy and was renamed Encana. Prairie Sky entered the stage and IPO'd when it purchased the mineral rights from Encana in 2014. It went on to acquire more rights across Western Canada from Northwest British Columbia to Western Manitoba. Two acquisitions of note were Range Royalty in December of 2014, with 3.5 million royalty acres giving Prairie Sky exposure to the prolific light oil Viking play in western Saskatchewan. The second was the purchase of nearly all of Canadian Natural Resources Limited royalty assets in 2015. Today, Prairie Sky owns a portfolio of 18.3 million royalty acres. Long-term readers and listeners well know our affinity for commodity royalty companies. This affinity stems from the hard asset, asset light nature of the business model, which we believe provides exposure to the inflation beneficiary characteristics of hard assets, while avoiding the boom-bust cyclicality common to the commodity sector. A business model like Prairie Sky Royalties is the perfect sweet spot. The core of that business model is land. In fact, that's basically all there is to it. Grasping the scale of 18.3 million acres can be difficult, so if you can, Imagine a plot of land a bit bigger than the state of West Virginia, and a bit smaller than South Carolina, and you'll have an approximation for just how many royalty acres Prairie Sky owns. 
For those interested in the breakdown, 9.7 million acres are fee simple lands, and 8.6 million acres are gross overriding royalty lands. This makes Prairie Sky Canada's largest private landowner, and by far its largest private owner of mineral rights. Simply owning land is a hard asset-based, inflation-resistant business model in its own right, and one successfully employed by many private and public companies. But Prairie Sky's main business is cashing checks from its massive royalty portfolio. In 2022, revenues amounted to $643 million, $615 million of which were from royalty production revenue. As of year-end 2022, these revenues were produced off of 43,000 wells, with an average royalty rate of 6%. The wells are operated by 315 companies, half of which are private and half public. 75% of Prairie Sky's revenues come from the 31 largest leases. But here's where it gets interesting. Despite all this activity occurring on its land, Prairie Sky runs a lean operation that produces loads of cash and high margins. Consider that against royalty revenues of $615 million, the company only incurred $32 million of operating expenses, maintaining a royalty operating margin of 95% and an overall operating margin of 84%. This is due in large part to the fact that Prairie Sky has only 65 employees. A small employee base is one of our favorite characteristics of royalty companies because one of the fastest rising costs during periods of high inflation is salaries. Additionally, unlike companies with non-operator-based business models, we wrote about one such company, Vitis Energy. A pure-play royalty company like Prairie Sky takes no part in the exploration for or production of oil or natural gas on its land. It simply owns the land and or mineral rights, lets third parties explore and extract the commodities, and it simply collects the royalties. The preceding few paragraphs discuss the benefit of Prairie Sky not participating in the production of minerals on its properties, evidenced by its stellar operating margin. The benefit of not participating in exploration is equally staggering. The table below lists Prairie Sky's proved and probable reserves and annual royalty production. What is immediately clear is, in 2015, Prairie Sky had proved and probable reserves of 46 million barrels of oil equivalent, and seven years later, its reserves are 66 million barrels of oil equivalent. So not only did its reserves not decrease over time, they increased. And the cost to maintain and grow those reserves were fully borne by the operating companies leasing Prairie Sky's lands. Over those same years, 64 million barrels of oil equivalent of royalty production were extracted from the land, netting Prairie Sky about $2 billion. So because of its pure play royalty model, Prairie Sky has no direct exposure to the negatives of capital costs, maintenance capital expenditures, environmental liabilities, or operational costs. On the flip side, it is positively exposed to the upside of new reserves discoveries and advances in oil and gas recovery technology, all at no expense to itself. On top of that, Prairie Sky has a lot of future optionality in its 11 million leasable but still undeveloped acres. But by far our favorite aspect of a royalty company is its hard asset, asset light nature, and how that relates to inflation. Consider, for example, as inflation, or monetary debasement, increases, the price of commodities and thus the revenues of a royalty company should also increase. At the same time, because it is asset light, expenses will likely increase at a much slower rate. 
This dynamic leads to margin expansion and overall greater profitability. But while a royalty-based business model is an advantage, it's still necessary for the company to be run well. From our research, it appears Prairie Sky is run exceptionally well. Its strategy is laid out on its website as the following. Prairie Sky's objective is to generate significant cash flow and growth for shareholders through indirect crude oil and natural gas investment at relatively low risk and low cost to the company. End quote. Because there's not too many details there, let's take a quick look at specific steps the company is taking to achieve its goal. The first step is focusing on leasing activity and organic growth of royalty production revenue from the royalty properties. For Prairie Sky, organic growth comes out of the pocketbooks of the companies leasing its land, but the company has to do a good job of purchasing high-quality royalty assets with high probabilities of being developed by producers. One example is the investment made in assets in the Canadian Clearwater trend back in 2017. This was before Clearwater became the largest conventional play in Canada. Take a look at the organic growth in royalty production from this one investment in the chart below. It shows royalty production increasing from practically zero to over 1,600 barrels per day in just six years. Secondly, the company focuses on proactively monitoring and managing the portfolio of royalty properties to ensure third-party adherence to lease terms and contracts. This part of the strategy is where Prairie Sky makes sure all of its leases pay their dues. We can only imagine this is very tedious and not a very enjoyable aspect of the job, but it's a profitable one and necessary for maintaining a good working relationship with all of the leases. The third focus is managing controllable costs. Much of this goal is taken care of through its asset light business model, and enough has been said on that already. The fourth focus is selectively pursuing strategic business development opportunities that are relatively low risk to the company and accretive to shareholders. This is where we become very critical. It is very easy for managements to make unwise acquisitions. It is better to do nothing than to make a bad purchase. Thankfully, Prairie Sky's management seems level-headed and aims to make purchases that are accretive on an acres per share basis. As can be seen on the right side of the image below, since IPO, even though shares have been issued to finance acquisitions, the acres per million shares has increased 92%. The left side of the image shows that on a production per million shares basis, the results have been flattened down. While this trend is less than encouraging to date, we believe that with 60% of its leasable land still undeveloped, the graph on the left should move up and to the right over time. The last part of the company's strategy is to distribute the majority of cash flow in the form of dividends and share repurchases and cancellations over time. Even accounting for a conservative dividend payout ratio, which the company maintains to build up cash for acquisitions, the vast majority of funds from operations since IPO have been distributed to shareholders. As illustrated in the chart below, since its IPO to the end of Q1 2023, Prairie Sky returned $1.4 billion in dividends and $246 million in share buybacks. So with that summary of Prairie Sky under our belts, let's take a look at the situation we hinted at two weeks ago. If you put a gun to our head, we'd say for us Prairie Sky is more of a general, than a workout type investment. For those who need a refresher, generals and workouts are terms Warren Buffett used to delineate between investments in long-term solid companies versus those in special situations. That said, we do believe the completion of the Trans Mountain Pipeline will have a material and noticeable positive impact on the company's revenues. In fact, Prairie Sky's management believes so as well. 
In the latest investor presentation, management stated the following. Looking ahead, output is expected to remain at or close to this robust level in the coming months and to get a boost towards the end of 2023 after the completion of the Trans Mountain Expansion Pipeline project. End quote. The map of Prairie Sky's royalty acreage shown earlier in this piece reveals a large percentage of its royalties are in Alberta and that the densest royalty ownership is around Alberta's capital city, Edmonton, precisely where the Trans Mountain Pipeline begins. We believe many of Prairie Sky's top leases, such as Synovus Energy, Canadian Natural Resources, and Whitecap Resources, will be some of the biggest beneficiaries of the project's completion. Prairie Sky should benefit in turn. Of the three benefits we identified for Canadian oil producers, we believe two will benefit Prairie Sky, greater transportation capacity, and a decrease in the Western Canadian Select discount. In a tale of two pipelines, we discussed how nearly every month since 2017, the amount of oil available to transport via the Trans Mountain Pipeline exceeded the 300,000 barrels per day capacity. And the situation is similar across Canada, as oil transportation infrastructure is operated at or near full capacity. With the completion of the pipeline expansion, transportation capacity will increase by 500,000 more barrels per day. Since total production in Alberta in 2022 was 3.75 million barrels per day, a rough calculation tells us the expansion could potentially allow about 12% more product to be shipped out of Alberta, indirectly increasing Prairie Sky royalty revenue. The other benefit is the potential closing of the WCS price discount. Currently, WCS, the benchmark price of Canadian heavy crude, trades at a steep discount to WTI and other benchmarks around the globe. One of the main factors is the majority of Canadian oil is sold into the United States because current Canadian infrastructure allows only a small fraction of crude to be exported outside of North America. The Trans Mountain Pipeline expansion will increase Canada's export capacity. To be sure, there are more factors that play into this discount, for example, refinery capacity and availability and the great distance Canadian crude is transported. But since the extremes inform the means, let's consider a situation where WCS were to trade at the price of WTI. How would Prairie Sky's revenues be affected? In the latest quarter, the average WCS discount to WTI was $25 per barrel, and Prairie Sky averaged 12,166 barrels per day of royalty production. That means if the discount were to close, Prairie Sky's revenue per day could have been $304,150 per day higher. On a by-quarter basis, this would have increased revenues by $27.3 million, or 18%. Obviously, because of our simplification and assumptions, this is the higher range of potential impact. But if both greater product is shipped and the WCS discount is decreased, the potential positive impact on Prairie Sky's revenue could be substantial. If nothing else, the company's management expects it to be noticeable. As we conclude this episode, a disclosure is necessary as one of the hosts owns a stake in Prairie Sky Royalty. Also, to reiterate, while we do believe a near-term catalyst for higher revenues is approaching, we consider this investment a long-term general, not a short-term workout. Because of this advantageous setup with immense upside and limited downside optionality, invested and prudent management, and the massive hard asset asset light portfolio, we look at Prairie Sky Royalty as a perpetual call option on inflation, oil, and land. One that might just lead our grandchildren to realize there really was something going on between the ears of their old pops. With that, we'll wrap up this latest episode of Special Situation Investing. 
Thank you for supporting our work by sharing this and other pieces with your friends, family, second cousins, co-workers, and of course, random acquaintances. We'll see you all next Saturday on another episode.